Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together business owners, leaders and experts to talk about their business journeys and provide them with invaluable insights and explore the link between personal and business success. I am your host, Warren Munson, founder of Evolve. I've previously founded, grown and successfully exited three businesses in the business services and technology sectors. I have a passion for helping and advising businesses and seeing them succeed. We all know that leading and running a business comes with its own unique joys and challenges and Evolve provides the advice, guidance and support to the business, you and your teams on that journey, be that if you're starting, growing or looking to exit or step away from your business. We do this through our Ignite, Thrive and Optimize programs and services, which includes strategic advice, coaching and mentoring, leadership training, funded business support and so much more. If you want to learn more about Evolve, then please do go to evolveadvisory.co.uk or connect and message me on LinkedIn. For now though, let's just get on with the show. This week, we hear from David Hole, an accredited coach with over 30 years experience as a professional financial advisor. David not only specialises, but also gains huge personal fulfilment in using his expertise to help and coach people achieve their financial goals. However, David's recent positioning as a money coach is just another path in what has been a bold and an unusual journey, both professionally and personally. I've known David for a long time. In fact, we launched Inspire Financial Services together with his then business partner, Mark. In all those years, I've gotten to know him as a highly reflective person who has a lot of wisdom to share. I therefore wanted to sit down and have a solid conversation with him about his life and his attitudes that have formed it. Amongst other topics, David talks about the journey from his first job as an estate agent to succeeding in various roles in the financial services industry. The difficulties of dating the boss's daughter, the time he took a job in Bahrain shortly after the Gulf War, his experiences of buying and selling a business, giving up drinking and his somewhat serendipitous route into coaching. It's a really broad conversation with someone whose friendship and just say yes philosophy has always been a sense of inspiration. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome, David, to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Nice to be here. Thank you. Really looking forward to our conversation. We do know each other well. As it will come out during the course of the conversation, we did have a business interest together, which was Inspire Financial Services. Indeed, yeah. So I know your journey well, so I'm really excited about our listeners hearing a little bit about your journey, but in particular, kind of the lessons that you've learned, because what I know about you, David, is you're very reflective and considered person and I think you sharing some of your life lessons are going to be really valuable for our listeners so that's what we'll aim to do during the course of our conversation but you've recently launched a new business David Hole Money Coach so again we'll touch on that but um, I think briefly for our listeners and it'll be a good starting point of our conversation could you just give us a little bit of your kind of career highlights life to date? Yeah sure I mean, littered with change, I would say, but I grew up in Ferndown, left school with little or no qualifications and entered the, what I call, University of Life um, phase. I worked at a local firm, can't remember the name of it now, a carpet company. Okay. Um, 
and got an opportunity to go and work in Cyprus okay. um, for a family member, which I leapt at um, mm. when I got an offer of a letter, offer of a, a, a job with a plane ticket. And off I went, learned a lot there, loved my time there, meeting lots of people. And I found that really sort of um, life changing and learned an awful lot of lessons, I would say, there from from people that were further down the line than I was. Um, had a girlfriend who was Cypriot, but was at university uh, studying architecture in Florence. Okay. So after a few years, the opportunity came to uh, move there, which I, I did. And I was there for a year, loved that, um, came back to the UK, dabbled at going back to university um, okay. or going to university because it was something that I really wanted to do. And kind of for many years, I've thought my only my only regret actually was not going to university okay is that for the Um, education piece or the life experience piece (laughs) the life experience i think (laughs) but no i think the education as well you know i think i i don't regret it now but for many years that was sort of thinking about chip on the shoulder yeah yeah yeah, because i wasted my in my academic years shall we say um but you know it is what it is um and you learn other things but then you had that that kind of experience of going to live and work overseas at a young age Uh, very which must have become you know it must have changed your life when you look back oh absolutely yeah in in so many different ways i think one theme that's been common obviously you talk about me reflecting and sort of thinking about a few things uh leading up to 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 this is that never being afraid of change you know in fact welcoming it you know always just say yes to whatever comes along so and you know as a 17 18 year old lad you know why would you say no to going to live in the sun um you know i mean and uh, that i i lived in nicosia so it wasn't like going to ayanapa ayanapa wasn't a thing when i first went there it it kind of was starting but it wasn't like the ayanapa that people yeah. now you know see the club scene and all those sort of things i mean i have been back to cyprus many times and the way that it's grown and, and the differences um you know is quite astounding really that's progress i suppose but it was a quite a quiet sleepy island when i went there yeah. but loved it and and made, made made some amazing friendships and and life lessons but you've come back to the uk after those yeah so i cyprus came back italy experiences and yeah. it's time to start a career really Yes, and I was very conscious of that. I mean, you know, I, I was the, the the girlfriend that I had. You know, she was studying to be an architect, yeah. so you know, could sort of see that. You know, if I was going to fit into that sort of lifestyle, then I perhaps needed to get a little bit more sort of substance <laughs> behind me. Uh, um, and so, did the obvious thing of not going to university and became an estate agent. That's what all people did when uh, they've got no. It must no, have been the eighties. <laughs> it was when you got no qualifications and don't know what to do. And I became an estate agent in Ferndown, where I grew up. Sold a house on my first day, um, and you know thought I'd cracked it. And and I did that for a number of years and loved it. You know, I I, I genuinely did. Yeah. And I think mainly because it was dealing with people. Yeah. And I think that's a common thread. You know, I, I love helping people and being able to sort of, you know, talk someone through, you know, what the schools are like. Um, you know, even the school that I went to, which, you know, at the time was, it, was, it wasn't it was a bad school. I think it's been through its pros and cons. I wasn't its um, so shining <laughs> light. Never been asked to go back and speak. Um, but, um, you know, being able to give people guidance around those things yeah. was, 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 was really good. So I did that for a few years and then got what I call my first proper job. 
um, when I got a job with Scottish Amicable. Okay. And in my interview with them, you know, one of the biggest hurdles I had to overcome was my lack of education. Mm. And I remember back in those days, Blackadder was a thing that we all used to watch on TV. And some of the older listeners will remember that, which was um, just hilarious. And the night before my interview, they used the line about University of Life. (laughs) And I... With a dead straight face, I took the opinion that the guy interviewing me hadn't watched it the night before, and I used it. And um, then he sort of thought, "Oh, I see him almost writing it down. That's brilliant, you know." But that's that was the reality. Yeah, you know, I had been to the University of Life, and, and it's, not, it's not a bad yeah. university to go to. And then that career, I suppose, took me into financial services, and through various paths, I ended up then working for a, a fantastic local IFA called Evely and Huckle. Yeah. Again, the older listeners will, will will know that that firm, which again brought, it cha- brought its challenges because I was married to uh, Mr. Huckle's daughter. Okay. So all of the, the, the accusations, spoken or unspoken, about nepotism yeah. um, sort of come to flow. And, you know, that was an interesting dynamic to have to yeah, navigate to deal with through. in a working career working life yeah. yeah and 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 actually that was what there was there's a few people locally that were in a similar situation mm. that you know we we shared similar sort of challenges but even in huckle's strength have many many strengths and and sadly actually um ralph huckle passed away a few weeks ago and um you know that has led me to think an awful lot about you know I mean, at the end of the day he's I'm still friends with my ex-wife and, and 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 family and and feel very proud of that fact alone but he was my kid's granddad so you know yeah. of course I was you know very heavily involved in all of those things and th- learned a lot from him you know yeah. so the easy route then would must have been to sort of look to succeed him stay in that business I know you think about nepotism but that would have been an easier path than perhaps the one you you would take. you would think you know I was very happy there um you know worked with some great people I think I joined when there were 15 staff and um when I left there were 40 I think it got to sort of about 45 ultimately and yeah absolute career path you know no problem what whatsoever safe secure um we'd moved we had two children by that stage we had a nice quite big house you know quite well set up and then for whatever reason I don't actually know what triggered this but was a bit bored and a bit it was a bit too not comfortable because it was really hard work and I used to work really really long hours and I think that's the that's the the byproduct of nepotism Mm. you work longer hours I was in earlier and I left later to prove that you were there yeah absolutely absolutely to everyone you know and um and that's not necessarily a bad thing, although not a healthy thing yeah. for the individual from a work-life balance side of things. But I don't know what. I think this is, again, sort of common through my life, was sort of looking for something a bit different, shall we say. And so I applied for a job with a company called Towery Law International, another firm of IFAs, quite a well-respected uh, firm um, based in Windsor owned by and still run by the right honourable Cecil Towery Law, um, which was quite unusual and and certainly not in this day and age. Um, And they have an operation in Hong Kong and I applied for that. Okay. um, With 
you know, fully, my wife fully on board with that. Let's go and have a bit of an adventure with the kids at sort of, I don't know what age they were at that stage, sort of five and three or something. What year was this roughly? Oh, early I'm, 90s. I'm all awful on years, uh, on years. Yeah, it would have been mid 90s actually, okay. because we were there, still living there for the millennium. Okay. So mid to late 90s. And I'm, I'm awful with years. But I remember going for my first interview in Windsor. Um, and at that stage, overlooking Windsor Castle, when the okay. troop, when the the horse guards used to get ready in the parade ground before going out on the on, on the streets, um, and the guy who I, who was interviewing me said, "No, you don't want to go to Barra to to the Hong Kong. Yeah, you've got a wife and two children. You'll be able to, you'll be only be able to afford a, a shoebox of a flat. You should go to Bahrain, okay. where you'd be able to get a nice house." you know, and, and be much better for you as a family man. It turned out he was actually the boss of the Bahrain office. So I think he had a vested interest himself <laughs> to, recruit you in. yeah. to recruit me. But that made absolute sense. And then, you know, it was like, well, yeah, okay, we'll do that. So, yeah, having done all the research and sold ourselves on Hong Kong and yeah. the gateway to Asia and what have you, it was like, no, no, we're not doing that now. We're going to Bahrain. But my wife was incredibly supportive. We were definitely in it together. It wasn't me persuading her. It was we were both there. That was a tough conversation to have with my father-in-law. Yeah. It was at the time of the Gulf War. Okay. That had just finished. So to tell my in-laws that was also my employer that we were taking their beloved grandchildren to live sort of, you know, three and a half thousand miles away to a Muslim country that's just come out of you know on the edge of a war territory that was a tough thing to do and I see now as a father and recent grandfather how what an impact that had on them Mm -hmm. but at the time of course you don't see it in that way but that was yeah I I don't regret it none of us do I don't think I hope I think we've all learned and we all enjoyed the experience but I see now what it did to my mother and father-in-law yeah um, yeah yeah which I perhaps would have dealt with it slightly differently I think would you I mean well would I because I mean it's one of those things isn't it in in life I suppose you deal with the deck of cards you got but you sort of I don't know does it sound selfish do you do you just you have to do what you think is right for you and your immediate family sometimes yes and i'm i'm faced with that now my eldest son um charlie he's just got married and his wife is canadian so you know they've sort of pretty much stated that when they have children that they're going to move to vancouver yeah and initially i thought well that's cool i'll go to vancouver you know we we went out there for the wedding fantastic place loved it i'll go three or four times a year no problem at all but then having recently had my first grandchild through one of my stepchildren, it's like, oh, I'm not sure I'm cool with that. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not cool if I don't see her, like, you know. Serendipity, David. <laughs> yeah, you get what the card, you know, you get what you deserve, I suppose. So, yeah, that's something I'm going to have to learn to deal yeah. with. But I, I, the only thing I would say is they would go to Vancouver with my blessing. Yeah. And absolute 100% support. And maybe it was the way I handled it with my in-laws yeah. at that, that point. It could have been better. I think the biggest thing was that it was a bit of a shock because it was, I felt, rightly or wrongly, that telling them that we were going to Bahrain was me giving my notice. Yeah. And because the actual tra- uh, transfer or, or, or the, the posting was delayed because of the Gulf War, yeah. it, it, it was, we, were, we knew we were going for about six months. So that yeah. felt a little bit 
um, not betrayal, but it felt just it was getting more and more You're in awkward. A holding pattern kind of thing. Yeah. So you, you obviously spent quite a bit of time out there. Had five, six years. No, 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 no. Three or four. Three or four. Three or four years. Came back to the UK. Yeah. Um, we always said that my wife and I, that if any one of the four of us wanted to go home for any yeah. reason, we would just go. Yeah. We wouldn't challenge it. We wouldn't question it. We wouldn't try and persuade. And yeah. that literally could have been any one of them. That's quite a good us. kind of hidden tip for anybody wanting to live life a bit eventually or do something different, isn't it? Is yeah. to have that kind of you got to go. We, we went, I would say that we went as a team and we came home as a team. Yeah. You know, we came home. Found the house of our dreams, moved to that. I was I carried on working for Terry Law in the UK. Yeah. So Terry Law for Terry Law International, looking after expats that had returned to the UK. So obviously I'd trodden that path myself. So I knew what that was like exiting yeah. and re-entering the UK tax system. So I was travelling all over the UK doing that. So my areas were Scotland, um, Devon, Cornwall. So I was doing a lot of driving. Yeah. But loving that, you know, I was a very keen golfer in those days and to go up to Scotland when no one else was going and it's like with all these clients, well, I'll, I'll, I'll go, you know, because, <laughs> you know, I, you, you can play golf till 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. So I could sit in a bar or I could go and play golf. It was brilliant, you know. Okay. Um, so I really enjoyed that part of it. But eventually it got a bit tiresome traveling yeah. too much and what have you. So decided to leave. And also by that stage, the company had been taken over a few yeah. times and, you know, the family aspect of the business had well gone and it was run by bean counters. Yeah. yeah. And that didn't really align with, with me and my values. Yeah. I didn't like the direction it was going in. So I decided to leave. Wasn't quite sure what I was going to do. Went to the pub on a Friday night. A friend of mine had said, oh, I've just been approached by this firm. It's not for me, but it might be interesting for you. And that was a firm, local firm called Norris & Fisher, yeah. um, where we first met. And John Norris was looking to retire. Yeah. So he needed someone who didn't have any clients to look after his clients. So it was perfect because I didn't have any clients yeah, so locally. All my clients were, you know, Has spread quite far and wide. Yeah. yeah. So that, that worked really, really well. And I was there for a few months. And then my business partner, Mark, who was a friend of mine, Mark Lambert, um, he was my best man at my first wedding. So, yeah. you know, we knew each other very well. Um, he'd come to Tarry Law to work with me there. And, and that was kind of the thing. It's like, I'll go and see what Norris and Fisher is like. And if it's any good, then you come along and a few yeah. months later. So he did. And we brought that. Um, worked with John very, very well. So did the buyout. So we did the buyout. In your business as sort of um, co I think, I think the uh, purchase agreement was, was two sides of A4. Yeah. It was so simple. Yeah, I learned later that wasn't quite the way that it, that the businesses are bought and sold, but it, it, but it that's how it was, and it did work. It absolutely worked, and um, I think in every way we learned how to how to exit John. Yeah, we couldn't have done that any better. He went down to three days, but then sort of struggled with that and thought, well, you know, I, I I'd like to go a bit earlier, so he did, and that was fine. So then we, Mark and I, grew that business. Yeah. That's where you and I met. Yeah. And then... I, my early days of Inspire, looking to work with some financial advisors. Yeah. The, well, the, I, I remember the night we met. It was actually the day that you'd help Simon White do oh, the enhanced... Management buyout. MBA. Yeah. And we that. met in Blend, yeah. which was 
Susie Cregan's and Jimmy's uh, yeah, or Jimmy wine bar stroke sort of coffee shop, which was actually the birthplace of Jimmy's iced coffee. Yeah, wow. Um, <laughs> You've so. got a good memory. I do remember that now. Yeah, wow. And so you built that business with Mark. So that experience of being a sort of SME owner manager. How did that compare for you to kind of that life in a corporate? Because there's quite a difference in a transition, isn't it? Massive. And people out there may be thinking, I'm going to start my business. Yeah. Maybe working for a large business and then go and work for themselves. I think the things that I like and know that I like, so complete autonomy, I loved. I'm not a detail person, as as you and I well know, and therefore working, and that's quite a big difference to what I'm doing now. But Mark is the detail person Mm -hmm. that I needed to be able to do what, play to my strengths yeah. and vice versa. And we always said that I couldn't, I could never have done that without Mark. And Mark but Mark probably, hopefully, I think would say the same. Mm. You know, we worked really, really, really well together. And it was the the, the definition of, of one plus one equaling five. But it's interesting because people do say, typically don't start a business with friends or family, but you did that with your best friend. Yeah. And it worked. Yeah. I think we, we, we'd worked together at Tarry Law. Okay long enough to to know that we could work together yeah so that risk and, wasn't there and 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 he definitely learned that i'm i was a difficult person to control and yeah. i mean at one stage he took a supervisory role where he was sort of supposed well, well i suppose technically he was my supervisor <laughs> and it was like you know just yeah just leave you know yeah don't but it, it was don't, a great don't constrain me I think you, you've said it right you know from what from the outside you both knew each other's strengths and weaknesses. You created your roles and responsibilities, yeah. either knowingly or unknowingly, around those strengths and weaknesses. And you both just got on and did what you were good at. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great lesson in life. Yeah, absolutely. So that worked really, really well. And I'm I'm seeing that now with just being an absolute one man band yeah. and enjoying that, loving it, but understanding that there are sometimes when I need someone else's. Input, but I'm not afraid to ask for it. You know, I've got I've got various people. It's you know when I I've got my inbox for my emails, as it were, and I've got clients, I've got connections, and I've got what I call team people that they don't work for me, but you know that I've got a number of people that are there that I can run things past, and I would include you know Sarah, my wife, in that as well, just in case that becomes across as confusing. My ex-wife and my current wife. Are both called Sarah. Yeah, must get confusing at times. Um, Not for me. <laughs> <laughs> but you did sell that business, didn't you? So, what year did you sell that business? I'm rubbish on years. Broadly, um, I'm not going to ask you a years question again. No, um, broadly, don't. Broadly, um, five, six years. Yeah, ago? about five or six. Well, it, 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 I suppose longer than that, really, because we we sold it to Succession, yeah. who are like the IFA equivalent of SJP, so a big national. And we aligned with them. So we were working with them for about five years. Okay. They were courting us. But so we were under their umbrella a little bit. Yeah. So by the time we actually did sell, which was always the intention, that all that was was a change of business card, really. Okay. So it was quite a smooth process from that point of yeah. view. An experience of selling a business? Obviously, you know, coming out of a business, leaving a business... Now, when it's a job to start your own business and, and do new exciting things is something, but selling your business is a completely different experience, isn't it? Yes, and it's traumatic. Yeah, um, you've got to brace brace yourself for that. It really is, and and I've seen that with other friends as well. 
um, going through that whole process. You've got to have conviction that you think you're doing. We certainly had to do that because we had our lawyer and our accountant telling us categorically not to do that deal. And that was you (laughs) as the accountant. (laughs) And I'll never forget that. But we... And, and Mark and I it tested our relationship massively. We had a few sort of times, you know, when there was some, you know, it was it was a bit we we yeah. you know locked heads a, a couple of times. So why are we doing this? But anyway, ultimately we did do it. My takeaway from that is if you're going in an ideal world, take a clean break. Yeah, do what you need to do. Do the transition. And get take out. A, take a clean yeah. break. Yeah, because actually the trauma came afterwards. Okay. The sale, the sale was stressful for sure for a couple of years. It was very high levels of stress, but then we did it, and that was fine, mm. you know. But the, the the trauma came afterwards. Okay. And alongside all of this, I think, especially, I look back at the photograph of when we signed. I was fucking massive, <laughs> <laughs> and it's an embarrassing photograph from a you know weight point of view. But I, I, you know, I look at it from time to time because that was that motivated me. So I went through quite a lot of personal change at that yeah. time. I lost quite a lot of weight. Yeah. I lost about five stone yeah. in total. I was one twenty-one kilos. I think I got down to eighty-nine. Yeah. Um, not there today, sadly. Um, but I learned a lot through that. I did that through using a coach. Yeah. So it, I, uh, that really sort of uh, inspired me and thought, well, I, I love coaching. So why don't I go and follow that path so I actually did some coaching qualifications I I remember now I I remember when it happened I've got a um, fortunately I had a family home in 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 Spain which I've inherited now and I I own um, my brother wasn't interested when my mother passed away so I brought him out and I and that's been a great bolt hole and separate story really but I was there, I couldn't sleep one night and woke up in the middle of the night and drafted actually what, I, what I'm doing today. Mm. But that was kind of around coaching. And it's like, no, I, I really want to do that. So I actually signed up for a Tony Robbins coaching course okay. when I was there. And one of the reasons for doing that was that it was an absolute 30-day no-quibble yeah. you know, refund. And when I looked at the content and what was involved, I realized I didn't really have the headspace or the time to do that then. So I didn't pursue that, but I did want to pursue the coaching. So I went and did some coaching qualifications. And actually, with the thought of doing it around change and um, maybe career change, maybe weight loss, those sort of things, didn't have any inclination of doing it around financial right. services strange because that was your background that's yeah where, that's where the knowledge yeah. is isn't it that's where yeah. you, you can share some experience absolutely but it wasn't on that wasn't the plan at all and then charlie sent me a, 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 a an article from the times i think where octopus investments had yep. bought a money coaching business and i was in particular trauma through with the whole succession side of things it, it wasn't you know it was it was causing me an awful lot of stress and then it was like, well, that's my stepping stone. Yeah, it was it was unbelievable. Had the, the the coincidences, and I happened to know the founder of Octopus, so he, okay. he took my call. We had a meeting, and and then 
he said, yeah, you know, you'd be perfect. So then he put me in contact with the person who was head of the coaching operation. And so I was always going to get that job because yeah. it's come from you know, the new yeah. owner. But that got you into coaching in a safe environment, really, I suppose. Yeah. Didn't it? And, I, and I absolutely loved that. So I did that for a couple of years yeah. working for Octopus, what, what is now Octopus Money. Yeah. And that's coaching in the accumulation stage. So it's younger people helping them buy the first houses, helping people get you know, the head around what to do with their pensions um, and all those sort of things. And it was a very low cost operation. It's like £300 a year that the individual would pay. It's all people in the workplace. And I absolutely loved it because I was coaching, you know, and it, just every day. But I was doing sort of between six and eight meetings a day. Yeah. You don't get the headspace to... Um, at the end of the day, I was brain dead, yeah. absolutely brain dead. And, um, and and Charlie said to me, my son said to me one day, he said, you, but you, you, know, you must be given so much better coaching sessions at the beginning of the day than you are at the end because you're just... Yeah. And it's like, well, actually, most of them are very similar. You're having the same conversations, saying the same thing, you know, look at the risk of your pension fund and maybe think about increasing and get your budgeting sorted out, all these sort of very good principles. Yeah. But after a while, it was this thing was nagging at the back of my head. I had this draft of this business model. I didn't have any time to develop it. And and financially, Octopus wasn't working yeah. for me either. So there were a few things that we did that all ran along concurrently. We had a lovely old summer house yeah. in our garden. It's actually where you and I had the first conversation about setting up Inspire Financial Services. Looking out over, over, over the river. And we knocked that down and built a new summer house with a view to it being my office initially. And then it was like, well, no, we could do this as an Airbnb, be a source of income. And then we got the change of use on the planning. And then we um, built this, what is a beautiful structure. Anyone who emails me or gets an email from me, I've actually just this morning put the link to our Airbnb site on on there. so it, it's a, if you anyone wants a retreat, it's lovely. And um, but we thought, well, actually, we could live in that because it's only Sarah and I now. All the boys have left home, yeah. so Sarah and, and, and our dogs, and rent the house out as a holiday home. Right. So that's what we did, and we have done. For, this is our third. We're just going into our third year of doing right. that. And that gave you some income, I suppose. That so make it, some life that's what I call again. an enabler. Yeah. Okay, um, like so that. anyone who goes back to the sort of fantasy football days, you yeah. buy the cheap player to enable you to buy the more expensive yeah. players. <laughs> so that was our that was our enabler, um, and we've loved living in a shoebox as we call <laughs> it for the last couple of years. It's idyllic. Yeah. Um, not everyone could do it. Yeah. Not everyone could give up their family home yeah. to strangers. I think most people could could cope with it when you see the income that you can generate yeah. from doing that and we're we're, we're lucky we haven't got a, a massive house but we overlook the river it's all about the view but it's given you where, life choice where we are. and i assume it's given your wife sarah life choice absolutely so sarah gave up formal work when i sold the business yeah. because we wanted to spend more time in spain at that point and you know she was still working so that wasn't going to work with someone who's got sort of you know even if it was six weeks holiday a year that just didn't work um she works very hard now i have to say that but i say that genuinely sarah because we've got some products we've got the house we've got the summer house and we also rent out spain 
And it's enabled you, and we'll come on to, you know, the yeah. whole money coach and that kind of thing. I just would like, to, you know, you've said very early on in our conversation, and I made notes of it, is that, you know, you kind of approach to life as being just say yes. And in, you know, that 20 minutes of you telling your, your story and, and what's happened, that seems to have always served you well. But there must be circumstances and times when you've just said, said yes, and it's led to life not going so well. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't got any stunning examples of that other than I suppose aligning it to back in the day when I used to drink. Yeah, it, it was always just say yes to another drink. Yeah, you know, and many a night yeah. carried on longer than it should have yeah. done. So I'm not sure if that was intentional, no. one, but that has linked okay. into yeah. one of uh, again I suppose that the biggest. To life, I haven't thought about that. You know, I was just yeah. wondering. You know, because it sounds like if everybody had this kind of attitude to life, would just say yes, they could go yeah. on a journey like yours. But that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. Well, I think it just uh, about thinking about it, talking back to what I was just saying about renting the house out being yeah. an enabler a massive enabler for me was taking the decision to give up drinking yeah um i and people often say well, why did you do that and it was like well i was quite good at it um you know <laughs> it and was superb I, I yeah um you did a podcast a couple of weeks ago and you were talking about brainstorming yeah and i was i nearly phoned you to say well what what about the thought showers <laughs> that came out of one of our infamous golf days mm-hmm. um but um, I, I describe it like a video game. Yeah. I completed to quite a high level. I've done that and moved on to yeah. wanting something else. And it wasn't serving me well. Yeah. But, so, and when was the moment of realisation? Because a lot of people, you know, we're now in February, aren't we? But it's New Year. A lot of people have slowed down in drinking, think, may think about stopping drinking. You know, what was the moment of realisation? And if you were to give advice to somebody thinking about stopping drinking, yeah. what's well, that's the one a really piece good... of advice would you give them? I knew it wasn't serving me well um, for a long time. And as much as I was like to think of myself as the life and soul of the party, I mean, I could get, you know, an extra bottle of wine on the table without anybody realising, yeah. you know, I'd make, I'd made eye contact and an yeah. understanding with whoever was serving Wait waitress. us. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And I could sort of just, you know, w- wink of an eye or, or flick of a hand, you know, another bottle. And where's that come from? You know, it's, oh, it's, well, I'm there, so of course it's there. But I I knew it wasn't serving me well. And then, you know, it does cause problems in your, mm. uh, with my weight. Yeah. You know, you make bad food choices when you're feeling a hangover, for sure. And I knew that that was quite pivotal yeah. to my well-being was you know my my yeah. weight and how good I feel about my fitness and all those sort of things um you know it causes arguments you know you wake up and you think oh god did I really do that last night you know and it's like yes you did you know again yeah. and it just became a bit well of course he did because that's what yeah, he does and I think I just became a bit more self-aware and I and I knew I knew Sarah once it you know was it was causing problems between us as well. Even though we we had some great times, you know, mm-hmm. both of us, you know, we enjoy, both enjoy a drink and we had some amazing holidays and nights out and what have you. But sometimes it would you know the wheels would come off, and I decided to give up for three months. Okay. So that's not giving up drinking. No. That's giving up for so three months. So that wasn't this big daunting thing. This was just for health and to lose yeah. some weight. Three months. Yeah. So anyone who's toying with the idea do that yeah because and 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 i'm really i feel really fortunate that i didn't have to i didn't need any outside help yeah and i think partly because i was only giving up for three months yeah 
Um, so I wasn't didn't join AA or anything like that. And it wasn't a daunting, well, I, you know, I can do three months, you know. Yeah. And imagine what, I, what my, you know, how much weight I'll have lost yeah. alone and what, what have you. But I very, very, very quickly saw the benefits in terms of energy and being feeling more alive, waking up early in the morning, mind racing with ideas. I've always been, you know, quite yeah. creative. I can, you know, wake up in the morning and I've got another business plan that's sort of sat yeah. there for something else, you know that sits on a shelf and I don't uh, action. But just having that new, new lease like for that. life. Just, yeah. So that I would strongly say that to anyone. Yeah. You know, we, 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 people laugh and joke about dry January and all the rest of it. Do three months. Yeah. But, and then do... I, I, I'm not anal about it as well. Sarah still drinks and I'm still the one sort mm. of, you know, putting wine in the glass. But it's, and it's, that's not a problem and never has been. Just give it a go. And if you, even if that enables you to stop drinking, you know, lots of people now don't drink during the week. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm interacting with lots of people in the business community and that's a common situation. Yeah. You know, you don't necessarily have to go the whole nine yards, yeah. but it worked for me. I'm all or nothing. Yeah. Well, I think we're seeing that during the course of this conversation, David, but I yeah. do love that, you know, that hint and tip, you know, just do it for three months, see what the benefits are. Yeah. It probably takes away some of the peer pressure, doesn't it, as well? Yeah. Because you can just say, look, for just, health reasons, I'm just going to yeah. see, just going to lose a bit of weight, get yeah. a bit healthier. Everybody kind of accepts that. Yeah. Whereas there is that, oh, you're stopping drinking, are you, tight? Yeah. You know, if you say, yeah. you stop forever. And it's amazing how many people, you know, they take you to one side at a social event and they want to have a more meaningful conversation yeah. about it but i think also you know i've looked back now and i hadn't you know i hadn't even thought about this until literally this conversation but you know certainly a big influence in my life and what i'm doing now is the fact that my dad passed away at 64 mm. and he'd had heart problems you know 10 10 or so years before i you know i did have a heart incident yeah. um you know, crikey, where are we now? Well, almost 10 years ago. Yeah, I won't ask you the year. <laughs> no, it was 2014. <laughs> I know the year. Um, and and the jury's still out. Was it indigestion? The heart surgeon at the hospital said, yeah, that was indigestion. But there was something in the, in, was in the blood that showed that it might have been a heart attack. So whether it was or it wasn't is irrelevant. But sooner or later, once you start loving life, then you, I think you respect it more. Mm-hmm. And and it took me a long time to get to that place. Like that, when you start loving life, you respect it. And that's well. come out of nowhere. I, that's not written down yeah, or anywhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's how I feel about that. You know, yeah. I started to love life, and then for why would I jeopardize it yeah. with fucking it up? Basically, yeah. sometimes over drinking too much. Yeah, great philosophy to have. Thank you. It's a really valuable conversation and part of your journey that. It's been nice for you to share, so thank you, yeah. David. It's one of my proud, one of quite a few proudest achievements, I think. Um, this your approach to life, this philosophy of saying yes, this ability for you to want and accept and deal with change, clearly has had a big impact on you. What effect has, do you think that's had on the way perhaps you brought up your boys? You know, obviously remarried to Sarah. Um, she's got you know three sons as well so there's sort of been around five children and that kind of thing does it do you think your approach to life has impacted your children in some ways yeah I mean I think both of my boys are in some respects very different 
in other respects, you know, actually quite similar. But I think, I think I see that side of me more in Charlie. Yeah. Um, Daniel's a little bit more measured. That's he's probably takes more after his mum. Yeah. In that, and that's you know, and yeah, we're all some um, of the parts of both. Yeah. Of parents, aren't we? Yeah. yeah, and and that's you know, um, a good thing. I think you know, at the end of the day, you know that's another partnership isn't it you know yeah. when you you're married and you bring children up and what have you but there's something in there in the dna yeah that makes charlie more adventurous daniel more cautious but i see that even more even most most recently with with with, with dan when he was in a situation he's just so he he's got uh he went to um a, a specialist university in brighton uh called BIM, the Brighton Institute of Modern Music, and um, he, you know, passed and got his degree, which was uh, fantastic, um, and still has stayed in, in 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 Brighton. I remember taking him to an open day when he was at college doing his two-year college. Hmm. I forget what it's called now. And okay, some sort of whatever, or, yeah, yeah type thing. Actually, you know, not far from here, yeah. and from this office, and. Um, I took him to this open day with a view to him going there after he'd got his sort of two-year qualification and he was sort of driving home and he said, well, they do they do the qualification that I'm doing now in two years, they do in one year at Brighton, why don't I go there now? And it was like, we, my wife and I were separated at that point and it was like, well, that's awesome, that'd be brilliant. But yeah, go do. Um, good, luck, good luck telling your mum because that's your decision, <laughs> not 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 mine. The point I was making there is that he he recently has gone back to university to transfer over to take his degree to transfer to become a teacher. Okay. And um and he wasn't happy with the with the work placement that he had. Yeah. And we've talked about it, and I've you know sort of talked to him you know quite regularly about it. But he's the one who sort of spoke up and said, "Look, this isn't right." And he's just recently changed to to a different. Uh, school even though he's only got three or four months left so you know hopefully he's got that that change can be good yeah philosophy definitely so if we talk about just trying to we've talked a lot about some of the lessons that you've learned along the way but if you were to sum up some of the other lessons that you've learned some of the key things that you would impart to others what would they be well i think in order to get to where i am today i've really used ikigai yeah. Japanese sort of culture and and there's many sort of ways of you know if you google it there's lot there's book, lots of books on it as well but you can just google it and just get the principles of that but it's basically it's a good way of finding your path I suppose so it's you know the old Venn diagram mm. where you fill in the four circles and see what overlaps in in the middle but it's find what you love yeah find what you're good at find what people need or value yeah. and find what people will pay for. Yeah. And I remember when I talked this through with you, you know, only a few months ago and it was, you know, well, okay, focus on the first three because the last yeah. one will look after itself. Yeah, definitely. The money always so, comes. And it, and it does. If you yeah. do something well, if you do something you you love, yeah. then you're then you will do it well. But if you do something that you love that you're also quite good at it, well, yeah. that's that takes you on that path. And then if it's something that people need. And so that's very much led me to what I'm doing now. I've had this idea, this business idea that I sort of drafted many, many years ago. I haven't changed it an awful lot from what I've launched now. I've just, other things around me have changed. 
giving yeah. me the giving me the space yeah. to create it. And again, obviously I know you well, and we, you know, you're part of the Evolve Peer Group, and we have some of those conversations. So I hope you don't mind me sharing this because I think this is another valuable lesson: is that we've had a conversation, you know, in the last few months about as you start this new business, yeah, that piece around being that imposter syndrome, yeah, piece. And I think you've been on quite a journey with that, and, and it feels like you're coming, have or are coming out the other side of that. So do you mind sharing with our listeners some of your no, thoughts? No, not and at all, because I think it's it's a really powerful lesson for a couple of reasons. And that is that that day when I came to an Evolve session here was the first time I'd been to a networking event for quite a long time. And and it sounds a bit crazy, really, but I wasn't even sure what to wear. Mm-hmm. And it was like, what do I wear? You know, I'm not going to put a suit on, full stop. I haven't worn a tie for years. I'm not, you know, yeah. it's not that sort of environment <laughs> in the world that we live in, thankfully, anymore. But anyway, I, I, I rocked up, turned in, um, I had a meeting with you lined up afterwards yeah. to discuss whether I was going to take this leap of faith or not. And I walked in, there was one seat left in the room and it was next to Mark Cribb, yeah. our friend Mark Cribb. Well, if you're going to sit next to anyone with a, with a sitting on the fence of shall I do something or not? And I knew straight away, well, that's yeah. get, game over. I'm doing it. And by the time the, that session had finished, when we had to write down right, one action you're going to take yeah. away, it was like, I'm going to resign. And I came and spoke to you and I did resign that day. Wow, what a day that was. But you said to me, if you're going to do this, and you said, I think you should do it, I think you'd be good at it and you supported me and I would always value and appreciate that. Thank you. But you said to me, you have to sort out your imposter syndrome. And it was like, okay. And, and I'm a bit of a doer. And if someone tells me to do something, uh, someone that I value, I will go and do it. And then later that day, you said, I've got just the person for you to yeah. help you through this. Um, Kate Gobrin, who I've got to know quite well over recent months um, and is kind of a go-to. And she's become a client and, and I've become a client of hers. And we had this whole conversation around imposter syndrome. And it very quickly led to my fear of coming across as being arrogant. Okay. And and I was thinking about this last night because I think arrogant arrogance is sometimes could be described as unearned confidence. So obviously so from the point of view that you haven't earned the respect of the people you're talking to, they don't know your background. So they think that you're just being arrogant. And I had a fear of that. And to be fair, most people that I've sort of spoken to sort of look at me a bit weird. They think, what are you talking about? You looked at me like that on that, yeah. that, that, that day. <laughs> I remember like, that. Yeah. You said to me, you said, you say some things, David. And I think, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and it's like, okay. But in this coaching session, we very quickly realized that our, if you change the word arrogant for yeah. confident, then that, that was a game changer. And because I was an IFA for 35 years. So I'd like to think that I, I've built up some expertise and some knowledge and some experience that maybe gives me the right to be confident. Yeah. And then if you're confident and not arrogant, well, why wouldn't you want to share that with the people that you're working with and people you're helping? Yeah. So that for me has been an absolute game changer. That was the game changer. Yeah. So thank you for pointing me in that direction no problem whatsoever that's what we're here to do so if we've got a couple of just final questions but before i do that um obviously you have now set up david hole money coach yeah um as you said an idea that originated 
three, four, five years ago, maybe. Um, but what does David Hole Money Coach do? So I think it's easier to start with what it doesn't do. Yeah. So if you compare it with an IFA, I don't sell products. I'm not regulated and I will never put an application form in front of a client again. Um, and I don't give formal advice yeah. So because I'm not regulated to do so. But I am qualified to help people to work out what they want from life, how they um, want to spend their time. So that comes down to almost an aspect of Ikigai. It's like, find what you love mm-hmm. and do that. Very, very simple terms. And what I do do is help people to sort of create that that dream and say, right, okay, well, what, what is it that you do want to do? Let's say in retirement. So a lot of what I do is answering the question of how much is enough, but it's how much is enough dot, dot, dot. Yeah. How much is it enough to retire? How much is enough to sell my business? How much is enough to get divorced? How much is enough? Is that redundancy that I've just been offered enough to enable me to do what I want to do? And answering that question takes a bit of work from from the individual because I send people away all the time say right you've got to go away and you've got to start dreaming now that's the coaching bit isn't it yeah absolutely and I absolutely love it I mean I really really do and it's like okay well just paint me that picture metaphorically don't paint me pictures um, but metaphorically in your own mind go away and sit down and talk with your partner and, and think about seriously what do you want to do in your retirement let's say but then make it real you know, oh, I, everyone says, oh, I want to go on holiday three times a year. Great. Where do you want to go? What does that look like? You know, a great example of that, of, of doing what you want and, and what have you, is that we very sadly lost my mother-in-law last year. And um, we knew that we were having our first grandchild yeah. in January. So we, we knew that we had this sort of period of time when we weren't going to then be going off to Spain for six, seven weeks at a time because Sarah wanted to be around, you know, uh, our beautiful grand, granddaughter. So I said to Sarah, I said, right, you know, what, you've got a period of time that you're never going to get, get again now to do something for you, do something that you really want to do. And she thought about it and, and sort of worked it all out and then decided to go to India. So she went to India for roughly a month and I say that because when when I dropped off at the airport, she didn't have her return flight booked. She didn't know when she was coming back within, you know, within, yeah, within a few reason. days. Yeah. You know, some people doubted that. But I, I was quite confident she was going to come back. Well, because of the grandchild, obviously. <laughs> um, and also she didn't know where she was going to fly home from because she didn't know her route. So do what you want. Yeah. And I dropped her at the airport and I went off to the Lake District for a few days walking with, with one, of, one of our dogs. And, and it was just amazing. Yeah. That's, so I, I found what I want to do and she sort of did what she wanted to do yeah. and that was the perfect, perfect. scenario. Not sure if that really answers the question, but yeah. It's, it's, yeah, find what you really, really want. And once you've defined that, then I can tell you how much you need then to do that. work out the financial consequences yeah. and a route maybe to get yeah. there. So don't be the richest man in the graveyard. Yeah. Don't run out of money at 72 if you're going to die at 90. Yeah. And we can work that out, you know. Brilliant. And I've got really good software that, that does that Brilliant. very clearly. Fantastic, David. Um, two final questions. Um, if you went back to that school leaver at 16 with no qualifications, what advice would you give your younger self, David? Well, I think I can, I, I think, here's how I'll answer that. To an 18 
year old, not 16 year old. But when Charlie got his A-levels, he was a musician and he wanted to follow that path. And rather than go to university, he put those away in a drawer because I said, you can always come back to those. You'll get into any university pretty much you want. You know, if you chose choose that, that path, go off and follow your dream. Okay. And I like to think I would say the same to me because like, yeah, life's for living. I'm yeah. a great believer in that. And even if you come to that later in life, it, it, uh, it, it is, you've only got a certain amount of time left. You can't control what's happened to where, what's yeah. got you to where you are today. Yeah. You don't know how long, none of us know how long we've got left. Yeah. So live every day to the, to the fullest. And that probably does merge into my traditional last question is what is your personal definition of success, David? I think, I think that fill every day doing, you know, having freedom to say yes or no to any situation. And having the balls to say no to situations that you don't like. Don't stick in a job or relationship that you're not happy with. And that will lead you down to... So if you do what you love, then you're that's success. Brilliant. David, if people want to learn more about you and more about David Holm Money Coach, where can they go? Uh, let me just point you to my website, which is davidhole.uk. Perfect. Thank you, David. Thank you for sharing so much of your own story, your own journey with so much um, candidness and honesty. It's been a great conversation. Thank you for being a great guest. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. And don't forget, if you'd like to learn more about Evolve and the services we offer and how we can help you and your business confidently start, grow and exit, then please go to evolveadvisory.co.uk. Please also help and support this podcast by subscribing, liking and giving us a positive review on your favourite listening platform. Thanks for listening and see you next week.